This is episode 107 on the Herpreneur Show. Today we have Dr. Jane Tornator on how self-love can help your business. Welcome to the Herpreneur Show, where we talk women, business, life. I am your host, Annette Lakovich. I'm an entrepreneur, businesswoman, mum, and I'm a fitness fanatic who loves to dance. What I also love to do is help you reach your fullest potential in business, health, and happiness. Join me as I bring you life-changing interviews interviews, world-class education that helps you continue to up-level your next stage in greatness. It's your time to shine. Let's do it. This topic today is for anyone that ever feels never quite good enough. Perhaps you're always comparing yourself to other people. Perhaps you're always looking for that final thing to really help you really love yourself 100%, help you be more successful in business. Collectively, you're going to learn today the importance of communication and language and how that really intertwines with your success in business and in life. We're also covering what self-love is, how it's going to amplify your greatness. And I also bring up a story that happened the day before this interview. It was a big self-love moment. It's something very private that I share with you. So hopefully you'll get some learnings from that part today as well. So today we're going to hear from Dr. Jane Tornator. She's a therapist, a speaker, an author. She's based in Seattle. Now, before she dedicated her work and her practice to actually helping people through self-love and self-compassion, she actually for two decades was in the field of Alzheimer's, including research. Today, she has a book that's called Everything is Perfect, just not me. And she's authored over 20 published articles around the world. Enjoy today's interview, Dr. Jane Tornatore. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I love to start the show with finding out where in this beautiful land are you today? Ah, I'm in Seattle, Washington, where it is dark and cold and rainy here. Oh, yeah. tell me what Seattle's like. I have not been to Seattle, but it sounds amazing. I love it. I've lived, I basically started my life on the East Coast in Pennsylvania and lived in New York and Illinois and Michigan and Minnesota. And I just kind of made my way and to Seattle and now Hawaii is next. I'm just making my way. And then Australia. Um, so Seattle is, I love it. I'm a water person. Water just soothes my soul. And so the, the Pacific is right here and mountains. We've got two major mountain ranges. So it's, it's very green, especially during the winter. And we've got water and mountains. So it's a, it's a great outdoor place. And it's a very... It's a very grounding place for me. Well, we were actually just discussing pre-chat about Jennifer Love. And I can't remember where she said that she was from, but it was a very similar description where it's like water and mountains. I'm like, I would love... California, I think. Oh, part of it. Okay. Well, they sound similar. I know they're completely far away, but they sound beautiful. They sound like my type of distance. Compared to Australia. (laughs) Now you're a therapist. You're a speaker. You're an author. You have dedicated this part of your life in helping people with self-love, being more compassionate to themselves. Yes. How did you get to that space? Were you someone that just came out of the gates ready just to empower people? Do you have your own personal story? 
Was it people that you saw through being a therapist? Like how did you get to the place where you are right now doing what you do? Oh my goodness. Have you ever heard of the phrase wounded healer? Yes. Yes. (laughs) And Jane raises her hand, right? Um, You know, our deepest, and my cat's now walking, um, our deepest wounds are our greatest gifts. And I, it's a good thing I believe that because it's true for me. (laughs) Like I came out, um, I think I came out of the womb anxious and I had a family situation, which was not, oh, say the most safe, healthy one. And so I was always, what I did as a little kid is I took on responsibility for the health and happiness of my family. And I was the smallest one. I was the smallest of three and I made it my job because this is what little kids do. Um, and most of us, if we've got this, this thing that won't leave us, no matter how many self-help books we read or, you know, how many Tony Robbins things we go to, it's usually like pre-verbal patterning we learned. Um, and it, it becomes unconscious and it's a, um, it's a driving force in how we walk through the world. And that was my case. I learned that I needed to be perfect to make everyone happy, everyone happy. But the thing is, I can't do that. So I was constantly failing. So I was constantly feeling like a failure. Yeah. Now you were saying that pre-verbal. So is this mm-hmm. something unconscious? Is this something that was dictated to you? Like how does it actually start? This is something you just take the weight of the world on yourself. Yeah. So what happens is I'm going to get all brain geeky on you. Um, from zero to two, our brain waves mostly are delta. That is basically, usually as adults, we're in delta wave when we're sleeping. So it is the brain wave where we're not thinking, we're not aware, we're just being. Like if you look at a little kid beneath below two, they're just responding to everything. They're in the moment. They aren't worrying about five minutes ago. If they're happy, they're happy. If they're sad, they're sad. And they just they, they're at absolutely all in the present moment. They're not critiquing what's going on. They're just mm-hmm. absorbing the world and going, okay, this is the world. From about two to six or seven, our brain moves into mostly theta waves, which are the brain waves, which are great for meditation and connection, but they're also the same waves our brain is in when we're under hypnosis. So our little ego is not going, Hey, that doesn't make sense. I don't know if that's true. Come on. We're just like, okay, got it. That's true. Okay, that's true. So from zero to seven, basically, we are little sponges for how the world is. We don't need people to say, like nobody ever said to me, Jane, you are responsible for this family's health. But I took it on because when we're little kids, the way to be the safest is to make it our fault mm-hmm. because if it's our fault, we have a chance of changing it. It's not safe literally for our little egos to go. My parents are really screwed up. I got to get out of here. We, you know, we cannot do that. We blend in and we fit with the system for self-preservation. Yes. The problem is because we're all we have, it has to be our fault. And then we just, unconsciously that's our whole life like I'll give you a great story I read in a book about this guy working with a woman who worked on Wall Street in New York and apparently she's always the smartest person in the room everybody knew she was the smartest person 
but she would always like just blow it right before some big payoff. She would just do something to sabotage it unconsciously. And she's like, what's going on? I I don't want to do this anymore. So she's working with this guy. And as she's talking to him, she remembers this memory of when she was a little kid and her little sister and her mom and she were having a lunch. And her little sister was uh, eating a popsicle. And this woman said, hey, can I have a popsicle? And her mom said, no, you haven't finished your lunch yet. She's like, well, Susie has a popsicle. Why can't I have a popsicle? She said, you haven't finished your lunch yet. You don't get dessert. And nothing wrong there, right? I'm like, this is what parents do. You eat your food and then you get the... But in her little brain, she took it to, I don't get the prize. I don't get the dessert. My sister does, but for some reason I do. So that's that's what her little brain made out of it. And she carried it through her adult life until she became conscious and went, oh, whoa, that's not true. And then once she was conscious of it, she could work to let it go. But we all do this, we all have these unconscious learnings. And anytime somebody says, oh yeah, I wanna exercise, or I wanna be healthy, or I wanna whatever, and they don't do it repeatedly, that tells me there's unconscious learning that is a rule that they have not yet uncovered so they can shift the rule. Mm, wow. Um, yeah. I've learned timeline therapy and we talk about the stages like to help the person regress back to find out yes. what that is. I've never, ever heard the description of the delta and the theta brainwaves like in those stages. So that's just takes it to a deeper level of understanding for myself and for the listeners. We think, wow, like it just makes sense. Yeah. And what I love about that and what we know about brain science now is it gives us a chance for compassion. It's like, oh, you mean I'm not broken? I mean, I'm not, it's not my fault. It's just how my brain worked at that time. Oh, it's, we can let ourselves off the hook more than ever now that we know how the brain works. What do you think, language is so important. Language Mm -hmm. is, you know, we can be thinking positively or negative per second, you know, and even though we know that we need to think positive, we sometimes are so unconscious that we don't know that we're going down that rabbit hole. Can we go yep. talk about language and how language can really help empower us and move us forward or the importance of it? And if there's language there that you just go, get rid of it, delete. Yes. yes. Oh, this is my favorite topic ever. <laughs> so we have research shows, and I don't know how they measure it, but I've read anywhere from every day we have 6,200 thoughts to 90,000 thoughts. In any case, it's a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts. And most of them, as you said, are unconscious. And I have four words that if I were queen of the world, I would ban. I would just get rid of them because they don't help us. And the words are um, should, must, have to, and need. Ah, yeah. Those words most of us use because we think we should use them to motivate ourselves to be better people. Like people are listening to your podcast because they want to be better people. Mm. They want to be better entrepreneurs. They want to be better women. They want to be better, right? So we use these words, but what they actually do is make us feel bad. 
Because the should has a negative, it's like, it's the weight to it and the need. It's, yeah, you can feel the weight. And the need is like a desperation, isn't it? I need to have this. There's a feeling of a a loss or a desperation to it. Um, And what were the other words? So need, should. Must. Must, oh, yeah. And have to. I have to do the dishes. Yeah. I have to get that project done tonight. I have to check my email. I have to, and it's. And our, we're, our brains are like, our egos are like two years old. Mm. When we're told no, or we have to, you have to do this, we immediately go, I don't want to. Mm. Like it's unconscious, but we create this automatic resistance to the thing we're trying to motivate ourselves to do. So what we're doing with using those words is making the things we want to do harder to do. Yes. Yeah. We're creating another level of resistance and should is especially powerful because it's basically, if we say I should do it, it means we should have already done it. So even when we eventually do it, we've still failed because I should have done it before. So oh. there's no winning with those words. <laughs> no winning. No pleasure. But words like it'd be a good idea. Um, it would be helpful. Like say, like choose something that is on your should list and say it'd be a good idea to do it. Yeah. So I say I've got to make dinner. Right? Yes. <laughs> so what do I say? I can't wait to make dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad you said that. But here's here's the other part of that, our language. When we lie to ourselves, and this is where the positive words can get us into trouble. A fake if affirmations, you know, right? It's like, I'm 62 kilos, I'm 62 kilos. No, (laughs) it's not, I'm not going to be 62 kilos if I keep just saying that because it's not true. (laughs) Exactly. And your brain will be going bull crap the entire time. Yeah. So you create resistance. But when we say it's a good idea to be helpful, that's true. I mean, Mm. you're making dinner for a reason because you, you want to feed your family. It's super awesome, but you may not want to do it, but it's something important to you. And it's helpful because, you know, you like to eat. It's great to eat. So it's important to me. Yeah, that's a good one. It's important yeah. I get dinner started. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, love that. Exactly. That's yeah. awesome. And important. I love the word. I'm gravitating more towards that, that it's important more because that gets at our internal integrity. Mm-hmm. And we are at our most successful personally, relationally in business when we act from our integrity. There's a power there. And when we say, this is important to me, it just naturally just, it, you know, I just keep going. I feel more aligned that when feels, I say You it. feel powerful when you say it. Like, yes. yes yeah. yeah. So you've written yeah. a book on self-love. Everything is perfect, not just me, a roadmap for self-acceptance. Actually, it's everything is perfect, just not Just me. not me, sorry. Because I'm, yes, everything's perfect, but I suck. <laughs> How do you feel self-love and success and specifically success in for women in business how does this play a role with both these two contributing factors when we want to get them together yes well one of the thing that I think works for everybody um or not works but it's a pattern for everybody is like for me I hit a a a, a line $100,000, I couldn't get past that for like five years because there's a part of me that's like, uh, I don't know that I'm allowed. I don't know. Is it selfish to want more than that? And so I just hit my, 
my upper limit. And it was a value thing. It wasn't how hard I worked. It wasn't how good my work is. It was like, I'm not allowed to earn more than that. I'm not that valuable. Uh, so, so anytime we hit kind of this plateau. plateau? Wow. I'm not is, that valuable. Yes. Yes. So then anytime we hit a, a resistance, then it's a message to the inner work. Love more of yourself. Find more of you that is lovable. And therefore, like money is just money is just a thing. I mean, there's no inherent value to money. It's we make up that money is valuable. So it's connected with value. So we work on our value and we allow other value. That reframe that you've just said, because my background is sales. So my husband and I have the Sales Institute, our program's called Convert Club. And we, when we have people that are healers, a lot of healers, and when they come through to do the work, there's always, and this is a generalization, but a lot of them have um, a fear of, you know, accepting money for the work that they do. Maybe they're gifted yes. and they feel like they've been given this gift. And <laughs> I always say to them, the money is an example of the help that you're doing, the value that you're bringing into life. And the more money you're making is actually is showing you the more value you're giving out there. So it's really interesting your reframe on this is if the person is continually hitting that level or there's a deep down unconscious feeling which they're not even aware of that I'm not valuable enough to earn this, you're right, they need to go back to the self-work. They don't need to but it's super helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Because at the end of the day, well, some I notice some people that will come through our program and they just need the skill. It's the skill set. They want help working out the words. We're not big on scripts. We give them method and we help them find their words. We help them with more of the integrity of who they are and help them connect the dots. So some, they just need that structure. But then there's going to be other people that still just need that, that belief within them. Yeah. That's such an amazing, yeah, confirmation there. You say self-love is simpler than we think, and we can actually start to do this and help our business. How is it simpler? Is it just by doing the language? Like what are some things around this that you're saying it's simpler than what we think? Yeah. So many people, when they think I have to do self-care and self-love, they they say things like, well, I'm going to exercise five days a week and I'm going to run 10 kilometers or whatever, or I'm going to swim a mile, or I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to do whole 30 and I'm not going to ever snack. Like they make this all or nothing. I have to do these big things to take care of myself. Um, and our ego kind of gets in our way. We hit against the limit of I'm not worth that. So when we do little things like, I think I will stop saying should, must, have to, need. Or one of the things I really like to do is when I'm beating myself up because I didn't do, you know, sales didn't go like I wanted them to, or I screwed up and I couldn't figure out the Facebook or whatever. I put my hand on my heart and go, oh, I'm hurting right now. So self-love is little actions like that. They don't have to be big. They're small kindnesses. 
Like self-love is not necessarily self-care, although it involves self-care, but self-love is based in compassion. And compassion for ourselves always grows our compassion for others and for our clients and for our, you know, our employees. Compassion spreads. So just little little moments of, oh, I, I said should for the 15th time in two minutes. Aw. Having that self-compassion for our struggles and our suffering. And as entrepreneurs, we're always learning. We're always learning new things. So we always are sucking at new things. Yesterday, I was driving to pick my son up from school. And I had this memory come back. And it was a boy chased me on a train. And I thought he was chasing me because he liked me. And he cornered me and he put his hands on either side and I thought, oh, my gosh, he's going to kiss me. And he started abusing me. He started saying, you're only popular because you're good looking. You wouldn't be school captain like your sister. She was smart. (gasps) And honestly, I didn't, it it, it threw me off so much. And I was just counselling myself. It just came up. And I thought, wow, I wonder if that's why I feel more fearful when I'm more attractive and my weight goes up and down and it's safer for me to be overweight because I feel like I won't be judged as much for my – I've got my success because of my weight or my because of my intelligence, not because of my looks. So as, and this is really personal, but this is, I think this is going somewhere with what you've just said. So then I actually put my hand on my heart while I was driving and I talked to the little girl and I said, and I actually said, and I'm saying this out loud when I'm driving towards my son's school. And I said, Annette, if you were to say something to that little girl right now, what would you say? And I actually felt, and I went, you actually... Were, were popular and school captain because you were kind. You were yes. always kind to people. You listened to everyone. There was people there that weren't popular and they'd sit by themselves. And I talked about all the stuff because I really, really loved people yeah. in school and I was just always helping everyone. And then I said, and that little boy, he oh. actually came out that he was gay years later. So he oh. was attacking you because he was angry. He was angry at life. And he may have felt that you were succeeding in something that he could not be accepted as. So it's just really funny that you're talking about this hand on the heart because I'm driving along and I'm just having this conversation because I thought, wow, I wonder how much that is connected to my weight going up and down all the time. I'm skinny for two years and I'm overweight for two years and I'm skinny for two years. and <laughs> You know, it's, yeah, so, um, yeah, just, yeah, that just came to me yeah. now because that came to surface yesterday. It was beautiful. What you did was brilliant. It was beautiful. And I love that you put your hand on your heart. And by saying it out loud, connecting to that little girl, because those neural pathways were running, they were ready to be changed. And you speaking to her and using it out loud, you're using more, you did everything like perfectly to shift that belief in your brain. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 
it was amazing that it came came up for me. It really mm-hmm. was. And I thought, oh, and I thought, well, I'm early for school. I'm just going to do a few laps and I'm driving. Right. <laughs> and I'm here having a conversation with myself. Yeah, really mm-hmm. interesting. Now, you've got a comment about um, Brené Brown. She said, you said, Brené Brown has made the public aware of the idea that imperfection is okay. Yes. Tell me more about that and how you feel about that and the work that you actually do and how that sort of integrates with that message. I love her because as a therapist, when I don't know what they're doing in school now, because I graduated like decades ago, but when I was going through school, you didn't talk about yourself. You didn't mention anything. You were just, just the client. And that creates a kind of like, I'm perfect and you are clearly wounded, right? It's, it does, it creates a dynamic of, I'm sorry for you, poor sucker. Let me heal or help you versus I struggle too. So Brene Brown is like one of the first people who, her book, she writes about shame and she talks about her own stories where she's completely ashamed. She just shares it to millions of people. And it's so courageous because then people can go, like, I love reading it because I think, right, I again, I'm getting the message. I don't have to be perfect in order to help people love themselves more. I don't I don't love myself every moment of the day. Some moments of the day I'm like, oh, I'm having a re- really hurting hand on my heart. Um, and I still have valuable things to share. And she is so good at saying, I'm human. I have a lot of good stuff here and I'm human and I'm still learning this stuff too. And it gives everybody permission. Like I just finished up a a four week group I I ran and the women were all saying, it feels so good when you guys share because I know I'm not alone. I'm not the only one dealing with this. If you're struggling with this, it's okay for me to, and you see one woman share and then somebody else will then have the courage to share. So we walk around trying to be so perfect. And so, and people see our outsides. They don't see our inside struggles, right? You couldn't see that boy's inside struggle. You only saw the outside result of his immense pain and self-hatred. Yeah. Right. Mm. You didn't see what was going on inside. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's interesting. My son, he sometimes comes home from school and he's only young. He's just turned seven. And he, I'm trying to get him to really understand when he says, you know, that kid's a bully or that kid's not nice, he's rude or he's the naughtiest in class. And I do say to him, remember sometimes someone's naughty because they're acting out, sometimes because they're hurt, something's going on. So it's like just trying to teach that language. So I think that's what came up with me to be able to counsel myself. When I listen to Brene Brown and she talks about, she shared how vulnerable she sometimes feels like she shares this stuff and then she goes back and she goes, oh, my gosh, did I really? What I love about that is when I've taught sales for years, I had the biggest fear of selling. <laughs> so for me to help the breakthrough, I talk about all the, the fears I had, the crazy things I've done to avoid it, mm-hmm. to help that breakthrough, which now when I do breakthrough work, it's the same thing. I, I share my my shit for other people yes. to feel comfortable. Like, mm-hmm. 
it's it's yeah and you do I do sometimes feel that vulnerability and then I just think you know what you've helped someone and you have to go to that line if you expect them to get there because how can we really you know if I'm not ready to go there and I'm expecting them to do it but yeah. yeah, but how does it work with you being a therapist? Because do you, for me, that's more breakthrough work. <laughs> I'm on the stage, like, you know, people are paying you to help them. How does it work differently? Do you just sit there and ask a lot of questions? Do you do storytelling? I'd love to know a little bit about your work. Oh gosh, that's a great question. I see therapy as an art. Like if people say, so tell me how you do therapy, what clients and I'm, I'm, uh, my mind always goes blanks because for me, it's a dance. It's a, it's a connection between individuals and the same with you up on the stage, your audience is connecting with you. And it's that connection, which does the work. It creates the safeness. And I love my work. I, I do a lot of stuff that gets at the unconscious, but it's, it's attuning to them. So they feel safe and seen and heard. And so those parts of them, that like working with me is actually pretty rugged in my in my therapy work because it brings up those parts in us that don't feel lovable. And that's why self-love is way more than self-care. And it's a courageous journey because if we say, like what you did with that little girl, you loved that little girl who kind of was shut away and went, I can't be pretty. I have to, I have to, I have to prove that I'm, I'm not good enough as I am. I have to be, right? She was shut down and she doesn't know that you've grown into this totally capable, beautiful woman who can make money and be successful and be thin. Yeah. Or it doesn't matter. Yeah. You are valuable. That's exactly the stuff I was saying. Mm. The interesting thing was I actually didn't even think I was an attractive young lady. I didn't, I didn't even, it wasn't even in my, it wasn't even in my world if I was or if I wasn't. It was never there. So it was really quite interesting that, that whole, that whole journey. Um, let's, we've got women listening, as you know, the entrepreneur startup, we've got the female entrepreneurs and they're just growing in business. They're going for it. But let's just say there's probably some underlining work that we always need to do. We're always growing. What would be a piece of advice that you think that the female in the, the startup phase, she's starting the business. Maybe she's, maybe she's going through some self doubt. Like, is this really, is, is this really worth it? What if I fail? What if everyone thinks you should have just stayed as an employee? Um, what if yeah. I don't make the money? Like, what would be a message that you could say to her to really help her move through it? I think what really helped me, because I had so many self-doubts, and it took me 10 years to get my private practice full. I, was, I did not market. I think what kept me going, though, is, is back to that it's important, that integrity. It's like, I want this. This is what I'm... It's not going like for certainly for me, it didn't go as fast as I wanted it, but I kept going because this was important. This is what I wanted to do in the world. So keep coming back to the internal integrity, internal drive. Even when things are hard, I still want this. This is why I am here. And if it's not why they're here, they still want to do it and they want to make an impact. So go with what is true to what makes you feel powerful and say that ad nauseum say it all the time like I just went through something I was learning a big new thing and I would walk around at least 20 times a day I got this I can do this I can do hard things I can do it I was totally self-motivating because I was struggling 
But there's also part of me that deep parts like, Jane, you got this. You can do this. It's hard. You don't know what you're doing and you're determined. You'll keep at it. So tap into that drive and let that kind of propel you forward, even when the self-doubt is there. Don't you just love it, guys? It's listening to this language. I can do it. It's important to me. Oh, just love it. So let's just say the female entrepreneur, let's just say she's ready to go to another level. And let's just imagine that even this level might be creating this fear. We have these, the, you know, the, the ceiling that we can create, perhaps it's, she wants to go there. She's holding herself back. Um, just trying to feel like what could be the things that could be coming up that stops her to really, you know, expand even more. You know that Marianne Williamson quote, we're not afraid of our dark, I forget the words, but we're, we're afraid of our light. When we, when, and I see this in myself all the time, when we expand who we are in the world, it it is brighter, we are shining more light, and when we shine light, we see the dark places. So when we are saying, I want to be bigger in the world, those parts of us that are we haven't been safe to see yet are going to come up because we've got that much more light. So we're going to see the parts that are holding us back. And it's a gift, really, because our deep desire to be bigger and to give more of the world and receive more from the world will show us those parts of us that are scared. And so that's where the hand on the heart goes, oh, this is hard. I'm really having a hard time. I'm worried I'm not worthy. Oh, I am. And this is what I'm here to do. And this is important. So you go back to that same, we're always beginners. We're always kind of, you know, like, what do they say? New level, new devil. (laughs) I haven't heard that. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Each, each level we, we face our, we face the barriers, each level we shine more light to see what, what is here to be loved. That is so good. Thank you. That actually helps me right now. Me too. That just resonates. That's just taken me like, (laughs) Oh, thank you. I really love to find out what do you do? that makes you the happiest version of yourself, something that gets you, I don't know, away from the doing and getting more back into the being, what would it be? Can I share two things? Yes. (laughs) Well, first of all, I love your question because it is, you are asking people, how do you love yourself? That's love in action. You are asking them, how do you love, how do you, what, how do you love yourself? And doing what brings us joy is love in action. It is self-love in action. It is such a powerful question. So I love that you ask it. Wow. So I do two things. Well, I do lots of things, but the two I'll share is one is ecstatic dance. It's free form movement. And I just move my body in the moment, in response to the music, in response to the other people when I can dance with other people. And it's in my body and I'm just expressing however I am feeling in that moment. It is so powerful. And the other thing is I love playing in the water. If there's water near me, I'm in it. I just love playing in the water. It makes me like feel like I'm six again. I love it. And is that is that seawater? Is it a pool? Any water. Seawater's the best. I will take any water. Water aerobics. It's me and the women in their 60s and I'm just and having I'm the, the best, best time. time. <laughs> 
I love that. Oh my goodness. I actually did. Um, it was an NLP course and it was slightly different the way it was ran. And we did this free dancing. They just put this and, and, and he kept changing it. So it was just all the different types of moves were coming out. Like I was jungle woman at some stage and next stage I was like yes. a tree and yeah. And I actually can dance. So, but like it was just, I was pulling moves like, wow, that's a little bit different, <laughs> but yeah, that's an amazing connection. Yeah. And I believe when we move our body differently, we can change our thinking and our beliefs. Our body and our mind are so connected. When we move our body in different ways, we we expand our ability for how we think. Absolutely love so that. So getting in our body is powerful. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to know you and we will keep following you. How's the best way for us to stay in contact? Um, we've obviously going to have the link, guys, for the book. So I'm going to read out what the name is again because I said it wrong before. Everything is perfect, just not me. A roadmap for self-acceptance. How can yes, we find out more, follow you? Where's the best place to, to continue this journey? Uh, the best place is to go to my website, everydaylove.me. And you can sign up for my love notes. And I do videos, resources, books that I love that are all about how to love ourselves more, stress reduction tips. It's just basically I want to get this information out in the world. Oh, well, thank you so much for your beautiful genius, your energy. It's been great interviewing you today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Annette. I had it was a pleasure. You're listening to The Herpreneur Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought, or message that you are meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out.